just to give you a little camp report, you're one of uh, 18 churches that owns Camp Lebanon, so we are so thankful to partner with you. So we'll just give you a quick little uh, member report, and we'll do that with some the funnest numbers. 103.5, sounds like a good radio station, but it isn't. That's actually the distance from Camp Lebanon to here. So it's just a, a nice, friendly drive, and as soon as you get on the interstate, there's no more stoplights. It's just uh, absolutely fun. Here's a fun number, 95. It's 95 feet from home plate to center field fence on uh, Camp's Wiffle Ball. Whoops, where is it? There it is, right there. Isn't that fun? A couple years ago, we built a, a Wiffle Ball stadium. Our goal was to build the world's best Wiffle Ball stadium. And uh, I think we have. It is so, so much fun. How about this one? Is that one working? 253 acres in Cedar Lake. Camp Lebanon is on beautiful, spring-fed, fish-filled Cedar Lake. Memorize that, that graph there. You know where the good fishing spots are. But uh, speaking of fish, 1,298,112 sunfishes were caught off the dock last year, which is <laughs> it's either that or pancakes flipped, one of the two. But uh, we just, we're just we blessed. Your camp is on just a, just a beautiful, beautiful lake. It's a mother-daughter weekend. I took seven pontoon Ladies fun to yesterday. That was really fun. 381. You know that number? That's the distance from the uh, launch to the receiving pad of the Screaming Eagle zip line at, at camp. It's like, anybody ever been on that thing? Yeah, there's just a whole lot of fun things to do at camp. Uh, there's laser tag and octoball and lots of hiking and a lot, a lot of fun things. 11,201 guests came to Camp Lebanon last year. It's uh, the year-round ministry, which is a record. We thank the Lord for that. 1,969 of them were kids. It's amazing. We've never seen that. Uh, that many kids come to camp before. Just look at them all. Um, and, you know, it's not the number so much. It's just uh, the testimony of what God is doing at camp. And this number is actually old, 1,523. It's actually... 1,596 as of yesterday. And some of you kids are already signed up for this summer. We were running over 400 ahead of last year. Of course, we don't have room for 400 more than last year. But the interest in uh, whatever is just coming. So if you're thinking about sending kids to Camp Lebanon this summer, uh, we're down to the last 15% space. Some of the camps have a waiting list. We've just never seen it. Um, we're excited. It's kind of scary. Um, but we're thankful for the opportunity that God has given to us. 1,242, that's how many family campers we served last year. And um, I mentioned this is a mother-daughter weekend. We also had dads and lads last weekend. I honestly think that dads and lads have more fun than mother-daughter, but I'm just a little prejudiced. <laughs> the girls, uh, they would, they're having a blast. Just so much fun. Um, we also have four family events during the summer, Memorial Weekend, July 4th weekend. There's a week of family camp in June and then Labor Day weekend. And then we also have dads and daughters in the fall. And uh, so family is just a big part of the Camp Lebanon tradition. 435. This is a really scary number. That's how many of these quilters were there in the month of March. <laughs> Woo, that's right. <laughs> it's a... Uh, Hey, what an amazing door that God has opened up for us to do ministry to women. And through the year, there are 10 events, uh, four, in, four in the spring, one in the summer, and then five in the fall. 
to reach out to women. And I know quilting is a big part of this church, and we have a tremendous partnership with the ladies over here. Um, so we're very thankful for that. 59. That's not my age. I wish it were. <laughs> that number's looking better all the time. 59. 59. Year camp uh, programs, 59 events year-round. So if you think of Vacation Bible School or something like that, and multiply it times 59, that's our life. Um, we're really excited by that opportunity. And our goal, Cam, our desire is to shine the brightest light possible for the gospel. That's our goal. And you can't minister to an empty bed. So we're thankful for the opportunity to have all these people come into Camp Lebanon. And uh, when you came in today, you got a card. So if you hold that card up... Um, there's a listing of all the programs that we host at Camp Lebanon. And I can honestly say there's something at Camp Lebanon for just about virtually everybody in this room. From uh, the youth camps and family camps. And we have a young adult retreat coming up. Uh, we have the young at heart retreat coming up. And, and senior day coming up not too far away. And I know your church have, have come to those. It's just great. And uh, you can take that calendar stick it on your refrigerator. You can use it to pray for camp. You can use it to kind of remember when it's your turn to come. Um, but it's just a testimony of what God is, is doing at camp. 69. That's not my age either, thankfully. <laughs> right? 69, that is uh, how many guest groups we served at Camp Lebanon last year. So we have the privilege of doing our own program. But there are a number of churches and groups and campus ministries or whatever that come and rent Camp Lebanon. And so we partner with them. And that way we get to multiply Ministry. Some places are just looking for food and, and facilities, and we get to help them in that way. Um, a really fun number. We're just about done with the numbers, but this one is really cool. 75,000. That's definitely not my age either. I'm not a dinosaur. But last year in Super Kids 4, we honored the 75,000 summer youth camper, which is really cool. 71 summers of ministry. And... Uh, Lily there was that, that special camper. Well, of all these numbers, number one is the most important. It's not that Camp Lebanon's number one. That's not the point. But I believe that, that God's favorite number is one. Some people will say it's seven or whatever, but I, I believe it's one. And it's um, like Jesus. You know, there was that lost sheep. He told us the parable about the shepherd. He had 100 sheep, and one got lost. He set aside the 99. He went looking for that last one. And the Bible says, until he found him. That's how long he looked, till he found him. And uh, there you can see Rich. He's the director of youth ministries at Camp Youth and Family. And that's, that's the big deal. So if you think about Camp Lebanon and you want to pray for one thing, pray for one. Can you remember one thing? What's, what's one thing you can pray for? One. one. One is the most important number at camp because we want every single, every one who comes to Camp Lebanon to be welcomed to be well-served, well-fed, kept safe. You think of the waterfront and the opportunities that we have at camp and the zip line and all the activities. So we pray for safety. We pray for wisdom. But even above all that, we just pray that everyone, every individual who comes to Camp Lebanon will hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, communicated in a way that's true to God's word and that's relevant to their life. So last night, for example, at the campfire, we told the lion hunt and did a bunch of goofy things. But we also shared the gospel because we've been talking about the awesome creator. So as you think about camp, that's one thing you can pray for. It's actually the most important single 
that you can pray for is the number one. So what can you pray for, Camp? One. Just remember, it has nothing to do with us being number one. God's number one. It's his camp. And we're so thankful to be able to partner with you in ministries. So thanks a lot. That's actually the title of our message, so let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thanks a lot. Thank you so much for the privilege it is to be called by your name, to be rescued by your Son from sin and death unto life eternal. Thanks for that good news. And thanks for the chance to partner with Oak Grove through Camp Lebanon. And Lord, we just ask that you bless that partnership that will be one that will advance the kingdom and encourage this church to do what it's called to be and to do. And Lord, thank you for the chance now to study your word together. May you uh, open our eyes and our hearts to receive your, your truth from your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Um, that's going to be our message today. But first, let me just ask this question. How many of you uh, think that life gets a little anxious? Is it just me? Anybody been to the, like the uh, emergency room in the last you know, five hours? Six hours? Somebody here has. <laughs> right? Life gets kind of crazy. We had a, a tragedy in our family. Um, Lisa's oldest brother's youngest son was tragically killed in a fire back in January. And I tell you, what a mess. I mean, what, it, just, uh, it just turned things upside down for that family and others. And the life is tragic. You know, you got all the stuff that's going on in the news and the world and politics and you know, issues going on in our bodies, in our bank accounts, with our families, and all that kind of stuff. And you go, ah, how do you handle that? Well, camp gets a little stressful, a little anxious at moments, too. And last summer was, was a record summer, as I mentioned. We had a lot of people, and we got to the end of the summer. And our son wanted to get married at camp, which we're happy to do. Uh, it worked out. The one spot that worked was <clears throat> the... Sunday late afternoon after the dads and daughters left Sunday morning. The seniors are coming on Monday. And there's a nice little window for an outdoor wedding at Camp Lebanon for 325 people. No problem, right? <laughs> well, we had a month to get it ready, so it was fine. It was, good. it was a good time. But I tell you, it was stressful. And then as soon as that was done, we had the biggest, wildest September ministry camps ever seen. I tell you, it was stressful. And as we were ramping up, our staff was getting a little tense. <laughs> I mean, they were tired and tense at the same time. It's just kind of the way it is. And I recognize that. Um, so we had our staff meeting. I said, anybody think of a verse that really addresses the, the anxiety? And how do we attack anxiety? And somebody quoted this verse. This is a great one. It says, do not be anxious. Here it is, about anything, but everything by prayer and petition. Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, right? That's what it says. That's what it says, right? Except that she misquoted the verse. She just about got the whole thing right. I mean, that's a great promise as it states, but she misquoted the verse. What did she leave out? <laughs> With thanksgiving. Let's read this together. It says, do not, together, do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great verse? In, it says, with 
Thanksgiving, and we thoroughly embarrassed her, of course, because she misquoted that verse. But you know what? That's, that's true about all of us, is that as we go through life, the good and the bad, the fun and the tragic, we kind of leave that little phrase out with thanksgiving. But it's there in the scriptures, and for the Apostle Paul, it's a very significant principle. This is from Colossians 3. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And then whatever, you, this is a camp verse, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There it is again, giving thanks. Three times in this passage. And, uh, well, you can say, well, that's easy for Paul. I mean, he's this super apostle, Right? You know, this godly man, it's easy for him to say that, right? He doesn't know what I'm going through. Well, where was Paul when he wrote this? Sitting in a prison in Rome, right? <laughs> he knew what it was about, and then he gave us this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. This is another camp verse that we use at our megaphone. It's always be joyful. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And uh, it's just a, it's a powerful verse, which leads to this question, why does God have to command us, his blessed children, to be thankful? I mean, of all people, why do we have to be commanded? Isn't it just kind of natural to be thankful? We start making a list of all that God has done for us, right? Man, it just we could take up the rest of the day just making a list. It was at Camp Lebanon when my dad was, uh, got the word from the state of Minnesota that in 15 days they were going to revoke his driver's license. That was a bad day for my dad, right? He'd already been kind of wrestling with this. He was 86 years old or 87 years old or whatever, 89. He was 89 years old. He shouldn't have been on the road as an 84-year-old, but uh, the, the state took his keys away, and it was a bad day, and I said, Dad, this is at the, the Young and Heart Retreat, and I said, Dad, there's another list. I want you to make a list of all the blessings that you have. Just make a list, and to his credit, he did, <laughs> and he had a long list for me in the morning, and then he went back to complaining about the keys of the car. But why should we be commanded? Well, this morning, we don't have a lot of time, but I'd like to give you three reasons. All right, why well, I think that God has to command us, saw the need to command us. But first of all, we need to do just a little experiment. So I need 10 kids who really love chocolate to get up here as fast as they can. 10, just 10, ready? I only got 10, ready? There's one, gotta hurry, come on. We can have big kids that are like 50, that's okay too, all right, there's one. So far we got one. All right, we'll take adults. Anybody that likes chocolate, just have to come stand up here. All right, come on up here. There's two. Come on, there's three, four, five, six. Just stand right here. Two, four, six, seven. Come on, hurry. This is a short sermon. Eight. There, we got ten. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Slide over that way just a little bit. All right. 
Oh, man. It's the scariest part for me, the whole... Uh-oh, there goes one. Oh, we're down to nine. Two, four, six, eight, nine. Who wants to be number 10? Brad, come on up here. I just, I, do you like chocolate? Do you eat chocolate? All right, very good. Now, here's what we're going to do. I have, these are Rolos. Oh, it smells so good. Hope you like Rolos. Man, they are so good. Now, we're going to do an experiment. But first of all, I just, I have to make sure that each of you get five of these. All right, so when you get them, be sure to, here you go, this is, this is, here, open your hands up big, because there's, is that five? Open up big, here you go. Yeah, don't eat them. Don't eat them yet, because then you have your count, your number's going to be off. Open up two hands, here you go, this is, because it's a mess. All right, here you go. There you go. There's five. I'm going to have enough. How about, oh, here you can have six. All right, here you go. Oh, too many. See, here you go. And you can have four because she had six. No, that's all right. <laughs> all right, does everybody have five plus one? All right, you guys may be seated. That's it? Thank you, Bill. You're welcome. All right. So reason number one why God has to come back is because we are by nature selfish and ungrateful. Do you know what I gave every one of those a piece, five pieces of candy? And Steve was the only one who thanked me as he left the stage. Not a single one. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> ungrateful. That was a setup. <laughs> I know that was a setup, right? And if you said thank you, thank you for saying thank you. I didn't hear you, so I'm sorry. I just, uh, you have to speak up. You have to be. Well, you listen to the sermon today, you'll know how to say thank you by the time we get done. This is kind of a setup, all right? But it's kind of how life is. Now, when I was young, I was trained to give, to say thank you. My grandma, who lived to be 107, I mean, we were over at her house, and she'd get out notepaper and pencil, and we'd have to write thank you letters to whoever blessed us or whatever. I mean, it was a really good thing to say thank you. And some of you are, what do you say, what do you say, what do you say, what do you say, thank you, right? But you know what? Sometimes we just get a little, uh, that one girl got six. <laughs> I only had five. But that's kind of what our life is. We, we get busy, we get self-focused, or sometimes we just forget but there's an interesting story here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter um, 17. One of my favorite little stories in the Bible. It's uh, such a good one. Luke 17, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, to the cross, to die for us. And it tells a story about these ten lepers. Now the leprosy is... We think of, the, of Hansen's disease where appendages actually rot away, you know, fingers or toes or whatever, and it may probably wasn't that. But leprosy was, in this culture, was a skin disease or rash or whatever that was feared to be contagious. And so if you contracted some form of skin disease, leprosy, then you were by, by biblical laws, you're quarantined, restrained from, the, from participating in the, in the regular day of life, in the malls, in schools, and your sports team. I don't have sports teams in Bible days, right? But family gatherings, you'd not be welcome. You were, you're relegated outside, and sometimes they even had colonies or little places where people live who had leprosy, and tell that they were cleansed. 
So you have Jesus here in Luke 17, verse 11, on his way to Jerusalem, travel along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance. Why? That's the law. All right? Remember the show Lost in Space? Danger, danger. You know that robot guy? You know, that's kind of how it is. They, unclean, unclean, they shouted so that no one would come in contact. Um, but there they stood at a distance. But they called out in a loud voice. Why did they cry, cry in a loud voice? Because they stood at a distance. All right? But more than that, I think they had a loud voice because these, they had a big need. And they saw this was their big moment. They, they somehow recognized Jesus. And they said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And maybe they heard about that other leper that's described earlier in the book of Luke who went and knelt before Jesus and begged to be healed. And Jesus put his hand on him. He, Jesus did the unthinkable. He touched a leper. And so maybe word got around to these and they saw this as their moment. And these 10 lepers, they shouted, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, Jesus said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And the Bible says as they went, they were cleansed. Now, the thing with the priests is that once you're clean, there was a ritual. It was quite detailed, and it's in the Old Testament. You can study it out. And they had to go to the priest who inspected them to make sure they were clean. And then they had a, a cleansing ritual, which could last up to a week. And then they had sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. And then they could go back home. It was a big deal. So Jesus is saying, you 10, you're as good as clean. Go show yourselves to the priest. I like to read the Bible with a little bit of imagination between the lines. So I just kind of wondered at what point were they cleansed? You know, cleaner, 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 uncleaner, uncleaner, cleaner, cleaner, cleaner. You know, was it the closer they got, if I had been Jesus, I would have waited until they got to the door of the priest. And then I would have cleansed them just to see if they were legit. <laughs> but they did have to obey Jesus. And the Bible did say that as they went, they were cleansed. That was kind of cool. See, look how happy they are. Woo, they're cleansed, right? So they're cleansed. Now one of them, this is verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. Why in a loud voice? He was excited. You know, there's a little principle here. If you complain in a loud voice, you should say thank you in a louder voice, right? That's just a good principle, right? That's usually the other way around, but... But here he is, praising God in a loud voice. Think football. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. <laughs> I don't know how you throw yourself, but he just fell face first at Jesus' feet. And the Bible says, and he thanked him. What a picture. This guy came back. One. One guy came back. There's one more little detail, and it says, and he was a Packer fan. <laughs> now, boo, right? <laughs> That's what the Bible says. You have to read the Greek. It's, uh, it says Packers. <laughs> well, it doesn't say Packers. It says Samaritans. But we don't understand Samaritans. But we certainly know about Packer fans. We don't eat with them. We don't talk with them. We don't send Christmas cards to them. Right? No way. <laughs> well, with the Samaritans and the Jews, it's a lot worse than that. I mean, you weren't supposed to, I mean, the Jews would go the long way around to avoid passing through a Samaritan village. And they certainly didn't eat together. They, didn't, they were kind of like enemies. Uh, it was really a bad thing. But in this story, there were 10 that were cleansed. One came back, and he <laughs> was a Samaritan. 
That's the point of the text. It was the least likely of the ten to come back. So we can assume perhaps that the other nine were Jews, like Jesus. But this guy was a Samaritan, and Jesus asked this question, we're not all ten cleansed, where are the other nine? That's what I like. wanted to know about the chocolate. Didn't all ten get chocolate? <laughs> Steve came back, and this fine lady right here. So we had one and a half thank yous. Where are the rest of the eight and a half? <laughs> right? That was, that's the point. That's Jesus' question. Jesus expects a thank you. In fact, in the Bible, it's commanded. Right? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus says, we're not all ten. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to give, return and give praise to God except this foreigner? This foreigner? But you know, we are by nature selfish like these others. And let's give these lepers a break. Right? They've been gone away from home for a long time, separated from society and all that kind of stuff. And maybe they had a lawn to mow, people to see, things to do, whatever, and they just kind of got caught up. Don't we get caught up sometimes in blessing? And we forget to say thank you? That happens. Well, our nature's that way. Reason number two, our good God knows what is good for us. That's the reason why he commands thanksgiving. God is good. Thanksgiving is good for us. There have been psychological studies done on the value of saying thank you. People who are grateful um, have better health physically. They have better mental sharpness. They're, they have more empathy and less aggression. They uh, have better self-esteem. They have more friends. It makes sense. Who wants to be friends with Mr. Grumpy or Miss Crabby? I mean, grateful people just have more friends. That's kind of a benefit. Another really good benefit is grateful people sleep better. So instead of counting sheep, count blessings, right? Our good God knows what is good for us. We're just talking about as a whole person. What's interesting in this story about this, the leper who came back, the episode ends this way. And then Jesus said to the man who came back, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The word well in Greek is sozo. It's the same word that's translated other places in the book of Acts as saved. Your faith has saved you. And there's, I mean, the, the other nine did not lose their leprosy. I mean, they're, they're cleansing because they didn't come back. I, I don't think Jesus unhealed them out of their ingratitude. All right? So they got a physical cleansing. But this man got something more. He got cleansed from the inside out. He was sozoed. He was saved. And that's a benefit. Our good God knows what is good for us. And when we go back to the Savior, <laughs> we're saved inside and out. That's just a great picture. Well, one last reason why I believe that God has commanded us to be grateful is that grateful, gratitude is ultimately an act of worship. It's an act of worship. In uh, Daniel 6, and we don't have time to, to do the, the whole story, but you remember Daniel is now in his 80s. He's been a faithful servant of three political administrations. He's a, he was an exile from Israel. He got dragged to Babylon. He went through the whole school, and God elevated him through his... God just blessed him, and he got to do some pretty amazing things, and he's a faithful guy his whole, whole life, serving in this foreign situation or whatever. And um, 
There's a new king, Darius, came to power, and he wanted, he liked Daniel so much, he made him a top two. In fact, he liked him so much, he wanted to make him the top one over everybody. And there's a lot of political jealousy. Can you imagine political jealousy? <laughs> Didn't start in our time, right? And they had it back in those days, too. And, and there are some political enemies. They did not want this Jewish exile to become their boss. And so they looked for dirt. They couldn't find anything to stick on Daniel. Can you imagine a politician with 50 years of public service? <laughs> There's nothing. So the only thing they could do is, you know the story, is that they, they, uh, they set a mousetrap using Daniel's religion. And they, they made this law with the king. The old King Darius, if anybody prays to any other god or man but you in the next 30 days, they'll be thrown into the den of lions, right? That was the deal. And they knew that they'd get Daniel. Because Daniel had a habit of praying to his God, and they knew it. And so this is what the Bible says about Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room. I would go to the closet, or maybe underneath my bed. But not Daniel. He went to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. I mean, he opened his windows even. Ready? Three times a day, he got down on his knees, and he prayed. And this is what the Bible says, giving thanks. It's in here. Daniel 6, verse 10. Daniel prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. That was Daniel's habit. And in this dark time where Daniel's enemies were closing in, in fact, they were waiting at the door, waiting for this moment. They knew that Daniel was going to drop to his knees, and he's going to pray And when they caught Daniel, they found him asking God for help, giving thanks. That's worship. Gratitude is the ultimate act of worship. There's this guy named Brennan Manning who wrote the Cotton Patch Gospel. Had a tough life. He battled alcoholism. But God really used this man to touch a lot of people as his servant. And he says, gratitude is the ultimate proof of a genuine faith. Just let that sink in. Gratitude is the ultimate proof of a genuine faith. Now we should say thank you when people, when somebody gives us chocolate as a gift. And when God blesses our bank account and the twins win and you know we have a great time at camp and things are rolling, there's record attendance and whatever. We, I mean, we should be so thankful. We are forgiven. We have the Holy Spirit. We have good news. We have hope. Of heaven. I mean, we are so blessed. But what about when it's dark? What about when someone's after us? What about when we're sick? What about when the fire happens, as with our family, what about then? Gratitude is the ultimate proof of a genuine faith. My dad put it this way. He says, you want to know what's really inside of a, inside a guy's stomach? You know, inside, punch him in the stomach, right? And you'll see breakfast. But dad is talking about character. When life punches you in the stomach, what comes out? Is it a fist? Or is it open hands? Thanksgiving ought to be the Christ followers' native language. It's worship. And there's this dear lady who lost an adult son several years ago. We were talking, and she said, I will never say thank you to God for that. Well, that's her choice, and I don't understand her pain. And I understand why she would say that. But when life does that or when we lose our nephew or what happens, at that moment, the Bible says, give thanks 
in all circumstances. Not for, but give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That is worship. So I'm not sure where you are today and the band's gonna come and we're gonna close the service in worship and singing and whatever. I just wanna encourage you to think about where you're at. What did you bring with you this morning in your heart? What's going on? Maybe your life has been so overly blessed as we would say with all these good things and you're just overdue in saying thank you to God. And maybe you're just living in the dark and you're really struggling or you went to the emergency room at three in the morning you got the rashes on your arm or whatever. Then you're just struggling. Can we say thank you? Our dear Heavenly Father, we just say thank you. Thanks a lot for being the awesome God that you are. Thanks for this chance to be reminded of of the privilege of gratitude. I pray this will be a, a grateful church and that individuals we live out as a follower of Jesus Christ that we will remember to say thank you. Like Daniel, like Jesus every day. We love you. Amen.